The 2023 New York Giants regular season is less than a week away now. What is the current state of the team? How have they closed the gap with the Dallas Cowboys, their week one opponent? We're going to explore all that and more with today's special guest, New York Giants broadcast team member and WFAN Giants team reporter, Paul Dottino. That's coming your way next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. You got the P train here, Patricia Trainer, your host, and I'm joined as uh, I mentioned in the intro by Paul Dottino, he is the Giants WFAN reporter. He's also a member of the Giants t- uh, broadcast team. You guys loved him last time and you asked for him again. So here he is. He's back to talk Giants with me. We could probably talk all night because Paul is just that good with this stuff. But Paul, I'm so glad to have you on the program. Thanks so much, Patty. Always good to be with you. And can you believe it? Tomorrow morning, is the first day of week one preparations. The Giants will take the practice field, actually starting their game planning for the Cowboys. And I'm I'm just absolutely bubbling over with excitement. I know. I was going to ask you if you're strapped into your chair because normally you'd be bouncing back and forth off the walls, right? I might head down to the practice field one minute after midnight tonight. <laughs> Typical of you. Oh, I mean, football's finally here. The long off season's over. Preseason is over. And Paul, let's start off by kind of recapping uh, preseason. How this team started to take shape. Now, I know it's not a, a finished product by any stretch of the imagination, but we have a little better idea, I think, now as to what this team is, what it's not, what it can still be. So, what where do you see this team at at this point in its its development? Well, I'm looking at a 53-man roster, and I always tell people I won't predict any one loss record until I see the 53. You know, I really thought the summer 90-man roster was the best 90 that the Giants had put out on the practice field since their last Super Bowl championship in the 2011 season. However, however, I reserved opinion on their record until I saw the 53. Well, Patty, guess what? Not only do I really like the 53, but I really love the tweaks they made to get Isaiah Simmons and Boogie Basham over the final couple of hours and final days of the cutdown. I I just think that this team right now, I don't see any significant holes on their starting 22. I am questioning their special teams. We could talk about that later during the program. And I think they've got good enough depth at most positions, even if they get nicked up a little bit. And quite frankly, I think you and I would both agree, they've been the healthiest through training camp that they've been in many, many years. So you put all that stuff together, and I know the schedule's tough. I get that. But throw in the one little magic ingredient that every player and every coach has said to us during the daily press conferences over the last month. And that is continuity and familiarity and comfortability 
in year two of the system. Every single person in that organization is swearing that year two in the Dable regime is going to make them play that much faster, that much more confident, that much more assertive, and should lead to more production on both sides of the ball. And what most players seem to say as they explain that is that, well, we don't have to think so much about what we're doing anymore. We pretty much just react. We know what we have to do. Now we can spend most of our energy trying to decipher what the opponent is trying to do. So it seems like they can devote 100% of brain power into the opposition instead of splitting it 50-50, trying to figure out what their own coaches are asking them to do. If if you believe that, and, and it's been an overwhelming response from everybody at almost every press conference, then you've got to think this team is not just going to be better than they were last year, but they will be significantly better than they were last year. Take into account the tough schedule. I'm giving the Giants 10 wins with the possibility of 11, and that would get them in the playoffs. Okay, okay. And, you know, you you bring up a point, and I, I'll, I'll ask you about it. It starts with the division, you know, Dallas, Philly, the Commanders. All three of those teams have had – coaching changes at coordinator positions. You know, Washington has Eric Bieniemy. Dallas now has Mike McCarthy calling the plays. You know, the Eagles have a new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. You know, the NFC East is, was a tough division last year. It projects as a tough division this year. How much more competitive do you think the Giants will be in the East? And how much of an advantage do they have considering they have that continuity? Well, I look at it this way, Patty. You, let's go through each one of the opponents. I'm not a Mike McCarthy fan. I never have been, okay? I think over the course of his career, he's put up tremendous regular season numbers. But then the postseason comes, and even when his teams are favored or they're home, for that matter, they usually just fall apart. Uh, I don't think he's a great X's and O's game day coach. I, I think I think he leaves a lot to be desired. And now the pressure is on him because Kellen Moore is gone, and now he's going to be calling the plays. And we all know that Jerry Jones is going to be super demanding of his team this year. I think that's a pressure cooker that's not going to suit McCarthy very well. So I look at Dallas. I see a lot of talent at the skill positions. I'm a little bit suspect of their offensive line. I'm suspect on their running game. Uh, I'm not so sure that their defense is as good as they were last year. They had a ton of takeaways that really helped them out a lot. And you can't count on takeaways year after year. So I think the Giants are a better team than Dallas. I think Dallas is the third best team in the division. And I don't even think we have to discuss Washington, do we? They're the fourth best team in the division, hands down. Look at the depth chart. Look at the starting 22. They're the fourth best team. So let's just put that aside. The number one team in the division is still Philadelphia. Now, they've lost some significant parts. They still have a number of good significant parts. Uh, We know that the quarterback had a sensational year last year. But do you really believe that Jalen Hurts is that good? Or is he going to take a big step back? 
That's going to be a very interesting thing to watch. Miles Sanders is gone. He was one of the best all-around backs in football last season. And now they're going to go running back by committee. How is that going to affect the quarterback and their overall offense? Their offensive line is still dominant, and they've still got really great skill position players. So they're not taking a huge step back. But I think they're taking a small step back, small one. Defensively, they've got a ton of talent all over the place. We know about their rotation and their depth chart. They're they're terrific. Special teams had some troubles last year. We'll see how that that unfolds. So I think, and of course, let let me not forget, they've they've changed the coordinators. Now, the defensive side of the ball is going to be more interesting than the offensive side of the ball because Sirianni is still there. So I don't expect the Eagles to do much different offensively. But defensively, it could be a little bit different. There could be an adjustment. Maybe that'll take them down a notch. The bottom line is this. The Giants have narrowed the gap between them and the Philadelphia Eagles. And if things go right, maybe, just maybe, when they play the Eagles two out of the last three weeks of the regular season, there'll be a division title on the line. Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) That sure would be fun. And wouldn't it be great if the Giants could finally hold up and stand toe-to-toe with the Eagles, who last year blew them out two out of three games? The Giants are much better equipped to compete with Philly than they were last season. There's no question about that, especially when you consider the upgrades at the skill positions on offense and against the running game on defense. They are so much better equipped. We can only hope. And we're going to talk about some of those upgrades and what we saw from the training camp and the preseason with Paul Dettino, Giants WFAN on Twitter, Giants broadcast team member. That's coming up right after this. Hey, Giant fans, football season kicks off this Thursday, and there's no better way to get in on the action than with Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em game. Just pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, and then do what you usually do on kickoff night. Sit back, relax, and watch the game. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, but you can win real money. It's legal in over 30 states, and it's a ton of fun. If you want to build your dream team today, head on over to their easy-to-use mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And when you sign up with the promo code LOCKEDON, and not only will Underdog double your first deposit of up to $100, they'll also have a Pick'em special live now in their Pick'em lobby. Patrick Mahomes just has to get one yard for your pick to be correct, right? So remember... That's Underdog Fantasy. Sign up with promo code LOCKEDON. Use the link in the description, or if you're watching on YouTube, scan the QR code below. Hey, Giant fans. Thanks again for making the Locked On Giants podcast your first listen every day. The Locked On Ultimate NFL Season Preview is here. The seven-episode extravaganza brings opinions, analysis, and plenty of debate from all 32 of our Locked On NFL hosts with added insights from our national experts. It's a can't-miss series before the season kicks off. 
Catch every episode on Locked On NFL on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. You got me, Patricia Traina, P Train, and P Dot. It's the the grouping of the P's today, the two P's in the pod, the Giants pod, and we're doing a Giants podcast. And a special shout out to our podcast listeners, our first, uh, if you're our everydayer, um, my subtext people, if you're a first timer to the podcast, welcome. We love you, all of you, and we appreciate you tuning in here to the Locked on Giants podcast as we count down the days to Giants football dot I know you're excited. Let's talk about some of the uh, changes, some of the new talent, some of the things we saw in training camp. And gosh, let's, you know, we, we've talked a lot about Darren Waller and what he brings to the offense. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hyatt is another guy who, who's who's been really exciting. Saquon Barkley had kind of a quote unquote quiet camp, but very, you know, focused and stuff like that. Tell me what you are most excited about on the offensive side of the ball? Well, Patty, it just seems to me that the passing attack is where the Giants, you know, spent their their money, uh, obviously not just money, but trades by, by acquiring Waller in the deal with the Raiders. They get one of the premier tight ends in football. The guys had two 1,000-yard seasons. And by the way, he will lead the Giants in receiving yards this year. He will go over 1,000. And he will lead the Giants in receiving yards. I don't know who the second Giants leading receiver is going to be. But isn't that a beautiful question to ask? Because when you have Paris Campbell and you have Darius Slayton and you have Jalen Hyatt. And oh, yeah, let's not forget Sterling Shepard and Wondell Robinson. Holy smokes. What a receiving core. This Giants wide receivers room is deeper than any Giants wide receiver room that I've covered in 41 seasons. Okay? Look at the five and six on this team. Shepard and Wondell Robinson. Now, I know Robinson hasn't done much because last year in his rookie season, it got spoiled because of the injury. But I think we all believe that he has a lot of talent and a lot to give this club. And we already know what Sterling Shepard is, a former second-round pick who has a very accomplished NFL resume. And to think that they're five and six on the wide receiver depth chart, then you throw in Waller, who's going to be probably put up better numbers. Again, I expect a thousand. He'll put up better numbers than Jeremy Shockey or Evan Ingram ever did. I mean, the Giants' only time, okay, when you think about it, thousand yard receiver was Mark Bavaro. That's it. So, okay, I don't think I have to go any further. That's the real upgrade. The, the, the passing game has just been boosted to a whole nother level with the acquisition of these players. And I think, you know, we can talk all we want about Barkley. And he is a headache player, just like Waller is a headache player. So you have a headache player in the run game. You have a headache player in the passing game with Waller. And you've got a quarterback who is coming into his own, who was who in his prime, and coming off the best season of his career. I mean, the only thing that you could say about the Giants that is any question at all on offense is how well would this offensive line mesh, given that they haven't had very many snaps during the month of August. We believe that John Michael Schmitz is going to be the starting center. Okay. He looks the part. 
I think he's going to be really good, but he will make some rookie mistakes. We know what Aaron Thomas is. We know what, what Glowinski is at right guard. We think we know what Andrew Neal is, but last year he made a lot of rookie mistakes and he was fighting through a litany of injuries. But we think, we think he's going to be significantly better at right tackle. So that the only question is at left guard. And I think as we sit here today, Patty, it stands to reason that Bredesen's experience is going to be valued more than Azudu's physical profile and upside. And so I think Bredesen's going to be the starting left guard against the Cowboys opening day. Now, how long will he hold that job? It's up to him. It's been a really good competition. And I think that he and Azudu have made it very, very close. But I think they're going to favor the experience and go with Bredesen in game number one. And, and if he continues to play well off of that first game, he'll probably hold the job. Who knows? Maybe he holds it for the whole season. I, I don't have the answer to that. But I love the fact that Azudu made this a tough competition. And if he is able to overtake him at some point this season, that's a good thing for the Giants too. Yeah, and, you know, especially against that Dallas defensive front, you know Dan Quinn is going to throw everything, including the kitchen sink, at that offensive line. You know, yes. stunts, exotic blitzes, yes. everything. You need no question. There. No yeah. question. See, I heard some reporter the other day from, from that major network up in Bristol say, oh, if I'm Dan Quinn, I would put Micah Parsons on top of uh, uh, Evan Neal every single snap until he proves that uh, he can stop him. Well, no, that's exactly what Dallas will not do. And do you know why? Because if you line them up on Evan Neal every single snap all game, the Giants can scheme against it. They can put Bellinger over there. They can slide the protection. They can slide a running back to help, help out Neal if he needs it. Why would you do that? That would neutralize Parsons' advantage over the offensive line if you line him up all over the place and you let him blitz with stunts and twists and lining him up in the A-gap and the B-gap and trying to confuse John Michael Schmitz, a rookie center who was going to be seeing Dan Quinn's exotic schemes for the first time in his life. That's what you want to do with Micah Parsons. Geez, I hate giving all this information to the Cowboys. But you want to use him all over the field to play mind games with the Giants. If you just stick him over Evan Neal, by the time they're five, ten plays in, the Giants will be like, okay, that's where he's going to be. we got a plan for that. We could, we could deal with that. We can game plan for him. We can find ways to chip and neutralize and work around him. That would be the dumbest thing that Dan Quinn could do. But, hey, you know what? Hopefully they listen to that guy from Bristol and they're not listening to your show. <laughs> I don't think they listen to my show, so I think you're 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 okay on that. You know, sticking with the offensive line here, I just want to throw this scenario out at you, and you tell me if you think there's any kind of advantage or whatnot. If the Giants were to go back to a rotation and, you know, to be clear, I'm not in favor of rotation. I'm a big fan of continuity on the offensive line, but is there any kind of advantage that can be gleaned from doing so in terms of, okay, now you leave the other, you know, the opposing defense trying to figure out who to plan for and, and how to, you know, maybe, uh, 
you know, who to put over that guy because you don't know what guy you're going to get in, in on any given, um, you know, series. Yeah. I would really not favor that because the starting five offensive linemen that we're figuring on hasn't had very many snaps together at all during the course of the uh, training camp in the preseason. So to me, continuity outweighs everything else that you could throw at me. So I would go with Bredesen and keep him in there. Now, we saw last year the way that they did that rotation was when they knew they wanted to run the ball during a certain possession. Azudu is bigger, stronger, more physical, more athletic. If you're just going to run the ball, if you're not afraid to tell the other team that, look, we're going to run a four-minute offense here, we're just going to grind it out, or we're going to pound it out during the last two minutes of the first half, maybe I could see there being some rationale for putting a Zudu in there in a minimal type of rotation scenario. They did it last year. I'd rather not do that if it were me. I just think continuity is too important. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think you ask any offensive line coach, you ask any offensive lineman, I think they would prefer continuity because there's the verbal communication and the nonverbal communication. And there were so many rotations, you know, so many different combinations we saw in the summertime. And yeah, they all sit together in the meetings and they talk and whatnot, but it's not quite the same as lining up next to a guy and having a play come at you, you know, in, in a split second. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Patty, Dan Quinn is a lot like Wink Martindale in that he is going to scheme his defense up to give you a headache. Okay? That's that's his priority. He's going to blitz a lot like Wink does, and he's going to stunt and twist a lot like Wink does, and he's going to line guys up in different spots like Wink does. Not to the extent that Martindale will do it, but Dan Quinn is an aggressive defensive coordinator. So what does he want to do? He wants to do everything he can to cause confusion for your offense. See, because once you paralyze an offense's mind because they're starting to think too much and they're trying to figure out what you're doing and they're trying to figure out the counter and it's, and it's got them locked up for that millisecond. Now they're in trouble because now your defense has a physical advantage over them. People don't understand sometimes that the mind games that you play with the other side is really meant to give you a physical advantage because it causes them to hesitate. Sometimes that's all you need to win your individual matchup. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Dan Quinn, you know, we, we've seen him. We've seen some of the things that he can do to create headaches for an offensive line. And, you know, it's going to be a good test for the Giants, you know, offensive line. You know, that, like you said, that's maybe the one area where there's still a little bit of a question mark as to how good that unit's going to be. So probably going to get a lot of extra coaching, a lot of extra meetings and whatnot with that group. Bobby Johnson's going to be on it, as we know. Yeah. So. 
uh, we'll, we'll see certainly how that line comes together, but uh, it does. I, I agree with you. I think Bredesen will probably get the start at left guard. Schmitz, obviously at center. Glowinski, we kind of knew right guard. And then you've got Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal at the tackle. We'll see, we'll see how Evan Neal, how much more comfortable he looks. Andrew Thomas, I don't think we have to worry about, um, you know, Evan Neal, we'll see how it, he looks, but then again, they'll also maybe if they need to put a tight end over there, or help, you know, with chipping if they need to over there. So they have things that they can do to help them out if necessary. Patty, it's very important to remember that, you know, if you are the Giants and you're going to expand your playbook too, let's not forget, as fancy as Dan Quinn wants to be, the Giants' offensive playbook is going to be much wider, if you will, much more varied especially with the explosive passing game that they now have than anything that the Cowboys saw from the Giants last year. So in that way, Dan Quinn's aggressiveness could actually work against him because if the Giants can do anything to pick up some of the aggression that he will send at them and they're able to just hold the fort for that split second or two, that should give Daniel Jones and those weapons an opportunity to make Dallas pay for their risky moves. It could turn out to be a very strong advantage for the Giants. They can use Quinn's aggressiveness against him. Mm, that's a good point. Certainly a good point. And if anybody could come up with a way to do that, it's the, the duo of Dable and Kafka who yeah. are two genius you know brilliant minds i mean they the, no the doubt stuff they come up with just absolutely blows you away and you know we we talked about this all during camp you know we talked about some of the things we saw on offense and we were like oh my goodness it was like we were sitting there drooling over the possibilities of some of the formations and and you know what they were showing on offense so certainly uh going to be exciting to watch this new edition or this version two of the Giants offense. So Paul, we're going to take um, another break here. We're going to talk about defense and we've got a couple of new additions we need to talk about. And also just some, some new formations and stuff we saw, we've seen from week Martindale. So that's coming up right after this. Hey, Giant fans, our partner at eBay Motors has teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. And if you're looking for a player to take in fantasy football drafts who will spark his new team's offense and also help speed you to victory, then you want to use a luxury pick on Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley. Ridley has looked sleek during his first camp in Jacksonville, and he's ready to rev up again after his time in Atlanta, taking full advantage of riding with the rising Trevor Lawrence as his quarterback. And Giant fans, if you're looking for a guaranteed fit for your vehicle, you need to check out eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because with eBay's guaranteed fit, they help you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle. So go forth, switch gears, crank up the AC, and say goodbye to sweating when your ride needs a little fixing up. Because with eBay's guaranteed fit, everything you need for your vehicle is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. 
Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride, folks. eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. You got me, Patricia Trena, special guest, Paul Dettino from WFAN, also part of the Giants broadcast team. And what else? We're talking New York Giants because the game's coming, Paul. Well, you know, we're taping this on a Sunday. This time next week, you know where we're going to be, baby. You know where we're going to be. Yeah, I, I'll tell you something, Patty. It's It's been a long, long wait. You know, considering this team won nine games and made the playoffs last year and then got through the first round with that incredible road victory in Minnesota, you know, it just created such a buzz and such an excitement around here that obviously, you know, the 2016 playoff run ended quickly uh, on the road in Green Bay with a tremendous thud and disappointment. But I think even though the Giants got whacked by Philly at the link in round two this past uh, January, I still think it's a totally different vibe than that team that left the field at Lambeau Field just a handful of years ago. For sure, for sure. All right, Paul, let's talk about the defense. Because as I mentioned at the top of the program, a couple new faces. We're going to try and figure out, you know, where they're going to fit in. Wink Martindale is a genius. He'll figure out where to, to get the best use <laughs> out of them. But I want to get your take on, on the new additions. Let's start with Isaiah Simmons. This is a guy who, you know, when he came out of college, he was kind of billed as a jack of all trades. And I don't know about you, but when I hear jack of all trades, I automatically think master of none. And, of course, Arizona could never quite figure out, I think, how to optimize what he brings to the table Based on what you've seen on him of him on tape, I know you've done some tape study on him. Where's his best fit, do you think? I did a ton of tape study on him coming out of Clemson. In fact, to be honest with you, Patty, he was my favorite defensive player in that draft. I had him ranked ahead of Chase Young. Okay? And he would have been my favorite pick for the Giants had Andrew Thomas not been in that draft. Because I knew that Andrew Thomas was going to be that pick for them at number four. I predicted it. He was. It was the right pick. We all know that. There was never a question. He was the most polished defensive uh, offensive tackle coming out and had the best uh, potential for a long-term future. And he's already shown that now. Here we are a few years later. Simmons has been a disappointment because – the Cardinals have misused him for three years. I always felt that Isaiah Simmons would be best used as a blitzer, a pass rusher blitzer. But here's the key for him. He does not convert speed to power very well, which means if he is manned up head on head against an offensive lineman, he will lose. So the best way to get Isaiah Simmons to be an impactful player is to scheme him as a blitzer. You can overload him on the edge. You can line him up in the A gap or the B gap. And, and you're going to send him through slicing through lanes to the quarterback. When you have a bad offensive line, 
if you try to put Simmons in a blitzing situation, the other team's going to realize that he's the most dangerous pass rusher in the front. So they will make sure that they get a hat on a hat and they'll stone him. But when you have a high-quality defensive front like the Giants do, who are you going to double? You're going to double Dexter. You're going to double Leonard Williams. You're going to double Ojolari. Who, who, you want to double Thibodeau? Who do you want to double? You can't double all of them. And even if you go five on five, okay, what you do is you use a twist and a stunt to give a, um, a Simmons an opportunity not to be head up on an offensive lineman. Let him use his speed to slice around somebody so that they can't lock him up. It's really very simple. The other thing you do is you crawl up somebody else up to the line showing that you're going to blitz six. Now, if it's six on five, kindly, Patty, tell me, what are you going to do if you're the offense? You're going to either have the running back chip one of those guys or you're going to have a tight end pick him up because he's going to have to come in tight to the motion if he was outside. Well, which Giants defender do you think wants to see either a tight end or a running back on their pass rush? How about all of them? Because they'll win that pass rush nine times out of ten. So what you want to do, Isaiah Simmons creates another mismatch for Wink Martindale along that defensive front because he is another speed pass rusher who can get home, and if you block him with a tight end or a running back, he will destroy them. The key key is to keep him away from a head-on matchup against an offensive lineman. That's the entire key. So it's up to Wink to scheme his matchup correctly. And he should be able to do that with a lot of ease because the Giants have so many quality people on the defensive front. Why the Cardinals kept playing him off the ball and then played him at safety, I will never know. That is not how Isaiah Simmons is going to make an impact in the National Football League. His best impact is as a pass rusher. Use him on a delayed blitz if you like. Imagine if he's a step or two off the line, and then all of a sudden, as the offensive lineman thinks they have their assignments, and they've got everybody locked up, and then suddenly out of nowhere, with his speed and quickness, he's shot out of a cannon on a delayed blitz. The quarterback is is cooked. He's cooked. I, there, there is so much that Wink's going to be able to do with him. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Isaiah Simmons is going to have a significant impact on this team. And if teams decide that, okay, well, we got to worry about his speedy pass rush, well, then that's going to free up one of the other guys on the line. And the Giants have too many guys on their defensive front that require extra attention somebody's going to come free. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, another thing, you know, I think a lot of people, I think mistakenly confused with Isaiah Simmons, they say, Oh, you know, 
put them in coverage. And I had Jonathan Casillas on the show um, a couple of shows ago. And Jonathan, Jonathan basically said, I don't want to see any linebacker in a backpedal. But if you're asking him to kind of like stay home and cover like those intermediate routes that are, are in front of him or something like that, he's got the speed to maybe keep up with some of that stuff. I mean, so there's there's kind of when we talk coverage, we're, we're not talking, you know, like like a cornerback coverage or a safety coverage. We're talking about kind of just, you know, man in that second level, I guess. Well, there, there are certainly ways. Look, you're not going to send him on a blitz on every single play, obviously. But that should be his primary role. He even said that to Brian Dable when he got here. When Dable asked him, what do you want to do? He said, I want to rush the passer. Dable said, great, that's what we're going to do with you. So that's going to be his primary role. But there will be occasions where you probably, on, on occasion, again, periodically, you could use him on the back, coming out of the backfield. Like if they're playing the 49ers, maybe you want him to shadow McCaffrey. Uh, maybe you want him to spy a running quarterback just to change things up on a, on a few plays during the course of the game. Or against a team that uses the tight end out in the slot or out wide, maybe, maybe, just for a couple of snaps, maybe you tell Isaiah Simmons, you go out there and take that tight end. I mean, for instance, right, let's just say, for argument's sake, the Giants were playing a team like, uh, let me see, who's got a great a great slot tight end on the Giants' schedule this year? San, well, no, not San Fran. Kittle, Kittle lines up a lot inside. He will go outside some, but I don't think he does a lot outside. Let's see, who am I looking at on a schedule that has a, a tight end who's going to be out a lot in the slot? You know what? I'm not so sure there is one. Yeah, I'm, I'm- if somebody tried to do that, though, ah, I know. What about Buffalo? Yeah, I was, I was wondering. Buffalo, Buffalo sometimes will use one of their tight ends in the slot. So let's say, for argument's sake, you decide, okay, if that tight end goes out into the slot, Isaiah, you go take a man to man, and by the way, jam the living stuffing out of him as soon as he tries to get off the line. That will take that guy right out of the play. Think about it. A tight end who's 6'4", 6'5", 250, usually he's getting picked up by a 210-pound safety. So he's going to find ways to out-physical that safety and win the matchup. But if you were to tell Simmons all of a sudden, peel off the edge of the line, go get that tight end, and jam him at the line of scrimmage and beat him up, don't give him a free release. Simmons can, can cover any tight end in this league if he really wants to. Yeah. So you could you could do a few things with him besides blitz him. But in my opinion, his playbook is going to be real thick with a blitz package. That's what he needs to do. Yeah, I think so too. Now let me ask you about the other new acquisition the Giants picked up. Car- uh, Carlos Boogie, his, his nickname, Basham. He Boogie is, Basham. Uh, Boogie Basham. Came He's out of Wake Forest. Yep. Wake Forest. Second round pick with the Bills. Mm-hmm. When I scouted Basham coming out of school, I liked him very, very much as a, as a second round pick, and that's where he wound up going. He, to me, was a 
left end in a 4-3 scheme or potentially a three-technique defensive tackle in a 4-3 scheme. I think the Giants will use him as a matchup defender. He's basically uh, a lot like Hadi Ward. Now, they've already told him he's going to be an outside linebacker and he's going to stand up. He's not going to have his hand down in the dirt, which is certainly something different than what I thought that, that would be done with him when he got into the league. The Bills had him down, but he was too deep on the depth chart to really do much. They built their defense to use speed pass rushers. They need big sack guys on that D because they don't have, you know, they got Miller over there. Uh, they just signed Leonard Floyd. You know, they're trying to do some things. But the truth of the matter is, Boogie was never going to be a 10-sack guy coming out of school. And they overdrafted him a little bit in that they expected him to be that when they took him. I think he's a solid second-round pick, but he's the kind of guy who might give you six sacks. But what he does better than anything else is he's a workmanlike player who has strength, smarts, is a terrific locker room guy, okay? And he will hold the point of attack. He will push runs down and collapse them to the inside. He plays to the whistle with a very hot motor. He's got a good inside pass rush move, but he doesn't really have a move around the edge. Well, without that real quick move around the edge, that's why I said he's a better left defensive end than he is a right defensive end. Because your left defensive end is usually more of your power guy and your run stopper and your hold the point of attack guy. Your right defensive end is usually more of your pass rusher because quarterbacks are right-handed and they'll get hit from the blind side by that guy. That's why Boogie, to me, was better suited for the left side. He is powerful. Again, you're not going to get splash plays out of him. He's more like Hottie Ward. Workmanlike, blue-collar, tough, physical. He will make winning football plays, but he is not going to make splash plays that will get on the highlights at the end of the night. That is not what he is. That's more of what Buffalo needed. That's why they took Rousseau in the first round and Boogie Basham in the second round that year, thinking, oh, we got two edge guys. This is going to just explode our pass rush. Well, that's not really what Boogie is. Yeah. And Wink Martindale, you know, big fan of Jihad Ward. And to get a, you know, a, a clone of Jihad Ward, maybe a younger, a little quicker or whatnot. Uh, Wink's got to be absolutely thrilled with that. He'll be well, a matchup player, Patty. He's not going to be an every right. down player. He'll right. be used in certain situations and certain matchups. And again, remember, he can play the three technique defensive tackle. And there's going to be times where Wink is going to have nobody with their hand in the dirt, one guy with his hand in the dirt, two guys with his hands in the dirt, three, four. And it wouldn't shock me if he pulls a Belichick and puts five guys with their hands in the dirt for some plays this year. That's the kind of guy Wink is. Yep. And speaking of creativity, let's just quick talk about the back end of the defense. 
we saw the two young cornerbacks, you know, uh, Trey Hawkins, the third surprising everybody, you know, getting snaps with the ones that allowed them to move a Dory Jackson down into the slot matchup football. Can we talk about that? You know, how much better off now are the giants in being able to play matchup football, especially against some of those speed receivers they're going to see across their schedule. Patty, this was a creation out of necessity. Nobody on the current roster grabbed the slot job by the throat. You know, Darnay Holmes returns with a pay cut. He was their most accomplished slot corner. The problem was he didn't grab the job by the throat. The production was rather inconsistent. So he's good enough that they still want him on the team, and he's a good teammate too. But flat is not a slot. Okay, trust me when I tell you, Cordell Flott is a better boundary corner than he is a slot corner. And the Giants understood that. So that's why when they saw the necessity of we've got to improve our production at the slot, let's give Adore Jackson a chance to go in there. And we got a bunch of guys who are outside. Oh, let's give Trey Hawkins an opportunity. And he took it and he ran with it. And he played so well during training camp and the preseason games that this creation out of necessity, if you will, turned out to be a genius stroke because Hawkins looks like, looks like, we don't know this, but it looks like he's capable of holding down the corner spot opposite Deontay Banks when they go to the nickel package. And they can now put a Dory uh, Jackson in the slot and put what they believe to be their three best corners on the field at the same time. I think, I've never heard any of the coaches say this, but I think this was a direct, a direct correlation to Dallas in week one. Because if you know you're playing the Cowboys in week one, you know where C.D. Lamb is going. He is going to be in the slot a ton. Mm. And the Giants, I really believe in preparing for Dallas, said to themselves, okay, Dallas is one of the teams that will often put their most dangerous receiver in the slot. How are we going to play those teams? Well, we're not really thrilled with Darnay Holmes's inconsistencies. Let's give Adore a shot and see if he can handle it. And what do you know? Adore Jackson can handle it, and Trey Hawkins can handle the boundary. And that, to me, is why this particular lineup of corners was born. Matchup football. That's what it's all Indeed. about. Matchup football. All right, Paul, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about what I – see is kind of a an Achilles heel for this Giants team, and that's special teams. Inconsistency continues, particularly with the coverage teams. And I know you and I have talked before about this. We've talked about um, the Giants not having an ace. We've talked about um, Jamie Gillen outkicking his coverage, it seems like, once per game. How concerned are you with this special teams unit? Patty, um, I've been talking about this since February when the uh, Giants free agent list came out 
And we saw that most of their core special teams guys, or at least half of them, from a special teams unit, a coverage unit that was just so-so last year anyway, was not going to return in 2023. That was a red flag for me. And I've been I've been talking about this now for months. And they never really found an answer. And we saw it rear its ugly head during the preseason. First against Detroit with the 95-yard punt return for a touchdown, which, by the way, cost them that game. Mm-hmm. Then we saw it the other day in the game against the Jets on a punt return of nearly 20 yards that put the Jets at their own 48-yard line and set Aaron Rodgers up for a first-quarter drive that went to the end zone for a touchdown. Those things cannot happen. It would be such a shame if the Giants, who have fixed so much of their team in the starting 22 and the depth chart, wind up costing themselves some games because the special teams coverage units did not do their job. They need to find some demons on special teams. I thought maybe they would find that on the waiver wire. It was not to be. So the guys who they kept on the roster are going to have to step up. Now, Gillen has to be more consistent in his punts. That's clearly part of the problem. But the other thing is Nick McLeod, who was injured throughout the preseason, is their best returning special teams coverage player. He is now healthy. He is going to have to be the new David Tyree, the new Dominic Hickson, the new Devin Thomas, if you will, the new Mike Michael. But, well, if you want to go back that far, sure. I don't think your viewers necessarily do, but the new Renee Thompson, if you wish. How about Mike Thomas? Mike Thomas, yep. How about that? He was all pro bowler only a few years ago. Mm-hmm. There has to be somebody to fill that role. Remember Keon Crossan, mm-hmm. you know, did it for a year for them. They need McLeod to be a top-level special teams ace. He's going to have to be. And then some of the other fellas who they kept, the Cam Browns, the Carter Coughlins, these guys are going to have to be even better than they've shown in the past. Now, I'm going to give you another name to watch out for. This is an exclusive now because I have not mentioned this name on BBKL. I will be doing it on Monday morning, but I have not mentioned it anywhere before. Taiwan Jones, Mm. running back from the Buffalo Bills, who was just signed to the practice squad the other day. Don't be shocked if you see him active against Dallas or for that matter, at some point, get signed to the roster. Taiwan Jones is a special teams ace. It is what he does. He is, I believe, 34 years old. I wrote a note down about him. Let me just take a glance at my note here. Drafted in the fourth round by the Oakland Raiders in 2011. Over the last three years with the Buffalo Bills, and by the way, Buffalo Bills, that should ring a... uh, Bring a memory to all of your ears because that's where Dable and Shane came from. He has 17 special teams tackles in 46 games, almost exclusively playing on special teams. He is a former captain of the Bills, 
He was when he was just there until he came to the Giants. He was a captain for that team. Ten years ago, he ran a 4.27 in the 40. He was drafted out of Eastern Washington. Now, he claims he can still run that fast. I don't think that's quite the case. But even if he's a little slower than 427, is it any wonder why this guy has spent over a decade in the National Football League and barely played as a running back? Think about that, Patty. The last three years, he's had over 800 snaps at special teams and only a handful in the regular offense. This guy qualifies as a special teams demon. I expect the Giants to use him as a practice squad activation once, twice, maybe three times, which you're allowed to do per player, and see what he can do for them. If he does excel, they might have to put a spot on the 53 for him. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know what, what he's got left in the tank. How much juice, how much gas is still left for Taiwan Jones to be maybe, maybe be the Giants special teams ace, the X factor, the secret weapon that can stick people deep in their own territory so that Wake Martindale can bring out all of his tricks. Very good point, because the further back that they are, or, or, you know, the closer that the offense is, that's less that we can do. So that's a very good, and it's so important. You know, we, we look back even to last year, the Seattle game, special teams cost them. I mean, I, I think there was maybe another game. I can't remember off the top of my head. I know there was one other game, special teams cost them. And it's been too long since the Giants have had decent coverage teams. In particular, you know, return, that's that's another story. You know, Eric Gray's going to get that job, it looks like. Don't worry. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the coverage. The coverage units are critical because when you tilt the field, Wink's defense becomes even more dangerous. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about the Giants having the field tilted against their offense because they've got Saquon Barkley and all of these weapons. Mm -hmm. They'll be able to get out of their own den pretty well. Yeah. What you and, and you know what? Go back to the Parcells theory when he told Phil McConkey, just be smart and get us the ball. I don't need any return yardage. Just mm-hmm. get us the ball. Mm-hmm. Play that way on special teams. I don't care if Eric Gray gets big yardage on returns. It's perfectly fine. What I need to see is the kick coverage to bury the other team deep in their own territory so Wink can sick the dogs on them. Yeah, I think we would all like to see it because special teams, like you said, the last few years have been so-so. And uh, they got to do something because I don't want to see this team lose games because they gave up great field position and made it easier on the opposing teams. That would not be very good. Not be very good. Paulie, Great talking football with you, as always. We could probably talk another hour easily. Uh, you know, there's just so much to talk about. And I know you love doing it. I love doing it, too. But we're going to wrap up the show for today. Giant fans want to thank you for tuning in, as always, to the Lock on Giants podcast. 
We've got shows every day this week. We're going to have a special show tomorrow. Crossover Thursday returns on thir- on uh, this Thursday. Marcus Mosier of Lockdown Cowboys and I are going to go head-to-head and kind of battle who's going to win this game coming up on Sunday. We already um, know who's going to win the game, Patty. <laughs> well, you and I might know, but I don't think Marcus knows yet. Or, or maybe Marcus has a different idea. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, and he'll be wrong. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see, you know. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks to Paul Dottino. Giant fans, we will see you tomorrow.